Hello and welcome back to Finding Your Niche. Today's episode, I shared a conversation with Alex French, the co-founder and CEO of Busy, a cold brew coffee brand based out of the Twin Cities. Alex started his career working as an investment banking analyst at Lazard, then spent a few years working as an analyst for two of Minnesota's largest companies, Best Buy and General Mills. In his time at GM, Alex shifted into a role working for 301 Inc., General Mills's venture capital arm and brand elevator. While working at General Mills, Alex began homebrewing cold brew with his co-founder, Andrew, and in a few years, they were working together full-time on a mission to brew the world's best cup of coffee. Okay, well, let's get started then, Alex. I'm stoked today to have you on the show. We've got the co-founder and CEO of of Busy Coffee with us today. Uh, I figured I'd throw this in there too. He happens to be an avid Ironman trainer as well. Um, So Alex, I want to flip it back over to you to introduce yourself to our crowd. Yeah, thanks for having me, Jake. Uh, Excited here, having a a beautifully warm day here in Minneapolis, which is great. We sell cold coffee. So, uh, you know, we're, we're at our brewery, we're making tons of coffee, having a lot of fun. That's awesome, man. Well, I, I want to go back to the beginning. So you were a University of St. Thomas student. I've got a ton of friends over there. Um, so when you were there, what was, what was the grand plan in, in your mastermind thinking? Where were you going to go in your life and what, what was the plan? You know, the plan was always to be an entrepreneur, for sure. So I went in, um, you know, with the long term objective of starting my own business, running my own enterprise, hoping someday to do something big. Um, you know, I went in as an entrepreneurship major. That was my, that was my goal. Mm-hmm. So, you know, didn't get into the U of M Carlson. So I went to the next logical path, specifically an entrepreneurship program in St. Thomas. So I did that. And then um, while I was there, I had a bunch of like extra credits from AP classes and whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so took a uh, finance major as well and was looking at what's my, what's my short term path. Is that just starting a business right after school, getting a job? Uh, And so I ended up doing an internship in uh, mergers and acquisitions, investment banking. And it really just pushed me even further to that entrepreneurial path. Um, But yeah, the the plan was always to uh, be an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. So that was at Lazard. And did you have any businesses in college or did you have any ideas for what you wanted to start? You know, I've, I've had a million side hustles ever since I was a kid. Um, so I would, you know, sling beanie babies on eBay, <laughs> buy action figures and go to swap meets, mow lawns. I mean, literally anything I could do for a buck, I pretty much would. Uh, and that kind of took me through college. I was actually going through an old flash drive like a couple of months ago and I forgot, like I've, I've had so many side hustles. I did one where I was sharpening like skis and snowboards and waxing them so i think i did that in college mm-hmm. that was probably the only legit one that i did uh, while i was there and then you know tried a couple things after the fact sweet well further down the line you ended up getting a job at 301 inc which is for those of you that don't know it's it's general mills venture capital arm so this is this sounds like something that'd be your sweet spot. I mean, you're dealing with a bunch of food startups, and I'm sure you're meeting all kinds of really cool people. And more importantly, you were doing research and you're understanding which things worked and which ones didn't. Um, and right around the same time, you started playing around with these coffee beans in your apartment with with what happened to be your co-founder. Um, so 
could you take us through that process at, at 301? Uh, what were you doing there specifically? And then how did the transition start to take place when you started to get a business going behind busy? You know, I'll even take it a step further back into the story. And I was actually at Best Buy beforehand in supply chain. And I had mm -hmm. done a, a small little startup with my best friend, Andrew, current business partner. And it was a snowboarding accessory and fell in love with marketing. Uh, the business failed, um, but that took me to this passionate uh, marketer. So I went over to General Mills, did marketing at Cheerios. And actually, while I was there on the Cheerios team is when I started making the coffee. And oh, really? okay. I was just making it purely as an enthusiast. I love cold brew coffee. I drink it every day. I don't know if I'll ever stop. I, I have multiple cups a day. Um, but was just drinking it because I love the product and was looking for a new side hustle and was doing all this research on the internet and realized that it had, you know, all of the things I looked for in a business. So it was consumable, it was craft and in the food space, it was sugar free, it was natural, it was organic, it had fewer ingredients, it was replacing sodas and energy drinks. So it was this huge long term trend. Mm -hmm. And then as, as I transitioned over to 301 Inc, that venture capital division, um, I got to understand more about fundraising and that, mm -hmm. you know, I probably had a smaller goal when I had originally launched Busy, which was at the time Cause Coffee. And even before that, it was cold brew coffee recipe.com. We had much smaller ambitions of just like making a couple bucks with a website sling in miscellaneous cold brew accessories mm -hmm. and as i moved over into the 301 inc venture division i just realized how big of an opportunity a food business can be if successful uh, and through that talking to other entrepreneurs seeing how the investment landscape works while i was there we also acquired a very small food startup and just seeing mm -hmm what those things, how the process worked, who you're working with, you know, how to do it had really opened my eyes to what the true opportunity is. And it was much grander than what I was originally kind of thinking. Mm -hmm. So it sounded like you were in your happy place. I mean, that what, what more could you ask for? You're, you're in the middle of a ton of money from General Mills and there's all kinds of different companies coming through 301. Uh, and then at the same time, you're starting to do your own thing on the side. So could you take us through the beginning of that first cup of coffee you made and then all of the testing that you did to try to get to that final product that you now have today? Yeah, it was, it was a lot. Um, and you know that I remember the first cup of cold press, as it was called at the time I had was at the, the library at the University of St. Thomas. Someone's like, Oh, you got to try this stuff. It's higher caffeine. So I was just like, yes, count me <laughs> in. And then, you know, I'm just like a researcher. So I just looked, I googled things as most people do and tried to make a, a cup of cold brew and it didn't taste very good. It tasted nothing like the coffee shop. And so it was, then you start problem solving, like, okay, this is fresh beans. I freshly grinded it. Like, what's the deal here? And then I ended up going to a, like a coffee class, which was just like high level coffee. I think Peace Coffee um, mm -hmm. did it through their coffee shop. And I went there with Andrew and just kind of learned about like extraction and what is like a good hot cup of coffee and what makes it good. 
And one of the key things that we learned is like, if coffee is over extracted or under extracted, it can taste pretty bad. And so we learned like, okay, extraction comes from grind size, water temperature, and how long the coffee's in the water. And we just kind of looked at all those variables and we realized that the major thing that a coffee shop was doing differently than what the at-home cold brewer was doing differently is honestly, they just had a high-end grinder. And so what we did is we, you know, we were using a grinder that everyone uses. It's a little blade grinder. It's super cheap, but it makes like a lot of fine powders and it makes big chunks. And there's this like large distribution of grind size from large to small. So some of the coffee was over extracted, some of it was under extracted and we're nerds. So like we plotted it out, you know, Andrew's an engineer and he had, he like at work had these like, it's called a sieve. So we would like sift the coffee and literally like to make a sheet of what the grind size distribution was. And then we realized that that was like the reason that the coffee wasn't tasting super awesome. It was one of the major fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And so this was like a huge risk, but we ended up buying like a $700 grinder just because like we wanted this super high end product and we were making it and we had this vision someday of selling it. And we we're like, all right, this is like the kind of barrier to entry. And so we got the new grinder and instantly the product quality improved substantially. And we realized that that was a huge component, probably larger than like brew time, water temperature, um, origins, roast levels was honestly just having a consistent grind size. And then from there, you know, we wanted to truly create the best tasting product possible. And we're consistently still doing R and D every day. We're brewing a new batch, testing a new variable. We're just always testing. And so then it was, okay, what makes a good origin? What's the right roast profile? What's the right brew time? What's the right coffee to water ratio? Should you make a concentrate and then dilute it? Or should you make it with a lower coffee to water ratio and it comes out ready to drink? So we just continually uh, refined it and are constantly doing R&D. And, and then one of the ways that we did a, a, a great job of producing our origin and blends was we actually held a consumer taste test where we brought in, I think it was like 50, 80, 75, 100. I don't even remember. It was so long ago. Um, but cold brew coffee. I saw 100. <laughs> marketing. Maybe it was 100. Maybe it was 50. <laughs> I don't remember. Um, but it was a ton of people. And, you know, we like blasted all of our friends and put it on like Meetup and Eventbrite. Mm-hmm. These were strangers mm-hmm. primarily. And then just did a ton of taste testing and tried to reverse engineer the flavors that people wanted. So we just asked them like, which flavors do you like in your coffee, in your cold brew? And it was, you know, smooth, chocolatey, sweet tasting. And then we would say, okay, well, these ones produce those types of flavors. These ones produce these types of flavors. And then worked backwards to create a blend that would basically be the ultimate cold brew. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, this sounds like a full-time job to me. But at the same time, you were still working at General Mills full time, right? Yeah, it was a really crazy point. And the reason that we were drinking so much coffee is we were working. I was at full time at General Mills. Andrew was full time. I think it was St. Jude Medical or maybe he was at Spectrum Plastics at the time. And then we were also training for these 24 hour obstacle races. Mm -hmm. So we were not sleeping. I mean, honestly, on average, four and a half hours a night of sleep. And we did that for a couple of years. 
Wow. And that's why, like, that was a huge reason we were drinking the coffee. It's like we needed caffeine yeah. to stay awake. <laughs> I had this you terrible. You guys were doing all the testing in the beginning. A hundred percent. In order to stay awake, yeah. Well, and I think that's so important about launching a business is it's so hard to not be your target market and be successful because I like, I drink so much cold brew coffee that I can walk in the back. And if we're producing something, I can taste it and be like, no, this isn't it. We're not going to sell it. It just doesn't taste good. Where if you have to go find a panel or a third party and be like, Hey, what do you think of this? Your, your feedback loop is so long and it may not even be right where mm -hmm. if you're selling a product to yourself, like I buy cold brew coffee, like if I'm traveling and I don't have any of my own product, like I'm not going to not drink the category. Like I'm going to go buy a competitor's product and I'm going to mm -hmm. taste it. And so by just being a raving fan of the product myself, I can just taste it and know like, okay, this is really good or this sucks. And therefore I can make some good decisions around that. Mm -hmm. So you both are working full-time jobs, training for these 24 hour obstacle races and somehow sleeping in four and a half hours a night. I don't even know how you got that much sleep. Um, when did you know that this was going to become your full-time thing? I mean, I was probably one week away from shutting it down before it became my full-time thing. Um, you know, we had gotten to the point where, you know, we had both been working corporate jobs for four and a half years, five years at this point. And I'm generally a frugal person. So I'd saved a bunch of money, but I'd blown literally all of it on this, um, on this business venture and got to the point where we needed money to do like a full scale production run. And we just didn't have, I mean, we didn't have the money. I tried pitching investors, you know, your first time, you don't know what you're doing. You don't know how to do it. We were very unsuccessful. And the only thing that we got in, the only way we could get money was by going into an accelerator program. Mm -hmm. And we basically gave ourselves a timeline. We're like, Hey, if we don't figure something out by October, we're just going to shut it down. Like we've spent so much money and wasted so much time that we're just going to call it quits. And we ended up getting into an accelerator program and we had to um, either we had to quit our jobs within a week and move to New York within seven days. Oh, so the accelerator was in New York. It was in New York. Yep. Wow. And how so long of a program was it? 13 weeks. Wow. So it was, and it was one of those things where, you know, the accelerators, they typically like give you a term sheet and they give you investment and they mm -hmm. generally value your business at a million dollars. Just mm -hmm. it's a, it's a total, like pulling the number out of the sky. If it works, that's a great deal for the investor. If it doesn't work, whatever, we lost a little bit of money, but as a first time entrepreneur that didn't come from, you know, hearing about millions of dollars in my life to hear that was like, all right, someone believes that what we've created is worth a million bucks. Like we're going to, mm -hmm. let's freaking do it. And, and that mm -hmm. was when we went full time was when we had the vote of confidence from an external person uh, to give us money. Wow. So you guys quit your jobs <laughs> Yep. and you went through the 13 week accelerator program and then what? And so when you go through these programs, you're basically expected to raise oodles of money at the end of it. And mm -hmm. that's the whole plan. They teach you how to pitch investors, how to build a deck, how to do biz dev, how to find your investors, how to court them. And so we went through that whole process. We did it all. And then we did our big presentation at the end of the year and then we didn't raise any money. So mm. it was so brutal because we quit our jobs. 
And then we had no money. So we both moved back in with our parents respectively and didn't take a salary and didn't take a salary for the next two years and lived with our parents for two years as adults after working in pretty good careers. Um, So that was kind of the next phase was, oh shit, what are we doing? And we had no money. We were broke. We couldn't raise any capital. The product wasn't doing it was doing fine on Amazon, but you know, we couldn't mm-hmm. get any retailer to pick up our products. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then it was kind of a two year slog until we finally, you know, got out of that rut. Mm-hmm. So you were still tinkering away at this, even though you got out of the accelerator program with no money. Yeah, we didn't have an option. I mean, from my perspective, you know, I left the world that I was trying to get back into just on the other side of the table. Mm-hmm. And so to me, like failure really was just not ever an option. It was, mm-hmm. you're going to figure it out and do whatever it takes to make it happen. And you know, that involves not having any income for two years and living back mm-hmm. with my parents. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and that's kind of sometimes what it takes. So you got, you got through two years and you're still here today. So yep. what, what was the moment that changed it all? <laughs> you know, it's kind of funny because the moment that changed it all was a massive failure so we had, we were on Amazon and was, we had this product. It was a cold brew coffee concentrate and it was performing. Okay. As I said, good, not great. We couldn't raise any money for it, but I had this insight that people were taking shots of the concentrate as a pre-workout in the morning. Cause they were just rushed. They were too busy to make a cup of coffee to bring with them. They would just pull it straight from the bottle. And so my thought was like, well, people are taking shots of this cold brew concentrate. Like I've heard of five hour energy and I think they do something like a billion dollars, like light Mm -hmm. bulb. Let's go make a coffee shot. That's just like Mm -hmm. basically like espresso in a shot form. And so we're like, all right, this is genius. And we went out and pitched a ton of investors and ended up raising over a million dollars in cash. And the second that we closed that round, I mean, everything changed. We finally got to pay ourselves. We hired employees. Um, we bought equipment. But the the silver lining, uh, the dark lining of the story is that that product failed. And mm-hmm. for a multitude of reasons, which are quite technical for our industry, but it, it ended up failing, uh, not through lack of effort, but through lack of experience. And a million dollars turns out isn't that much money, which is disgusting mm-hmm. to say out loud. Um, <laughs> but we saved just enough money to launch um, two separate products. And those two products were the ones that took us uh, to where we are today. Okay. And that's your cold brew concentrate, correct? And then you're just your standard cold brew. Yep. The ground you can find the shelves on, on target now. Yep. So we, now we have three product lines. We have okay. a shelf stable cold brew concentrate. We have um, coarse ground coffee, which is for kind of the do it yourself cold brew enthusiast. They like to make it themselves. Um, that business is crushing it. Absolutely crushing mm-hmm. it. It's the number one seller in the country outselling Starbucks. And then we also have a large bottle that's ready to drink 48 ounce for freaking five bucks, which is so cheap, uh, that we mm-hmm. produce those in our facility. Mm-hmm. So what's next? You have three product lines. Do you have anything else in the works? Yeah, you know, we do. Um, so we have this, this is a little two pound product here. We launched a two pound version, but one thing that I'm super stoked about that's going to come out next month, I'll give you guys a little sneak peek is, um, we're launching pitcher packs. 
So basically, um, you, 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 there are big, you know, sacks of coffee with a filter around it and you just dump it into a pitcher. And then when you're done with it, you just throw it away and you have your coffee, um, in a pitcher. So it's a, mm. it's an easier format that requires no equipment. And it, you know, we're really focused on the at home consumption of cold brew. And uh -huh. we're really trying to build our brand around that enthusiast, do it yourselfer. And so yeah. we're, we're launching products in that category. Um, and we've already validated the opportunity. You know, the wonderful thing about Amazon is you can just pull reports and see how much revenue certain products are generating. Mm -hmm. And if you have a good brand and a good marketing strategy, you can just make that exact same product and start mm -hmm. taking market share. And so that's what we're mm -hmm. going to be doing starting next month. That's incredible. And that's, <laughs> unfortunately, Amazon does the same thing to some of their people and they're it's getting true. into some antitrust issues right now. Yeah. Break up Amazon. But, I'm all for that. <laughs> but anyways, uh, it sounds like there's a lot going on at busy right now. You guys are staying busy at busy. I was wanting to say that this entire time. Um, and I'm looking forward to everything that's going to come from it. I'm personally not a cold brew guy, but I know a lot of people are. I just don't like coffee. Um, mm -hmm. So that's just a personal thing. Um, but I appreciate you coming on the show, Alex. It was great getting to sit down with you. And I hope you have a great rest of your week. Yeah, thanks, Jake. Really appreciate it. Have a, have a good week yourself. Hey, podcast fans. Thank you for listening to today's episode of Finding Your Niche. If you have any feedback for me, I would love to hear it. Please text me at 612-518-2083. Have a great week.